that would have been funny. We are recording now, though. Hi, I'm George <sighs> Techmanshov here with Steve the Big Cat. <laughs> Anderson <laughs> lost our timing. <laughs> We're a little rusty here. Got to do this again. Hi, I'm George Techmanchev here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson. All right, for no episode edits. for episode seventy nine. Man, seventy eight times we did that nearly flawlessly, and then seventy ninth. It us. just got me. I you know <laughs> it's the jet lag. Yeah, you've been all over, huh? Yeah, you Back too. Back and huh? forth. Uh, no, I haven't gone anywhere. I don't think. You didn't go to uh, Kings? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. So yeah. We're, I wanted to talk about Kings a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Wanted to talk about the GT Open thing and those new records that have been set. Yeah, wow. Wanted to talk about Asian Championship a little bit. And then I figured we'll, uh, the highlight of the show will be a little chat I had with a certain Mr. Tom Dillon on the subject of Olympic Compound and some new developments there, which might catch your attention too. Wow. So there's a, it's a, it's a, Topic-packed show today. My attention has been caught. I'm glad to hear I'm it. totally... Peaked, I think the word would be. Your attention has been peaked. No, it's been cotted. It's been cotted. <laughs> so, yeah, let's start out with Kings. Um, big tournament that Sander Dolderman puts on. It's gotten yeah. bigger every year. Uh, super quality from all accounts. and It's a great event. People love it. Maybe the best tournament there is. Really? That yeah okay so so in your words what makes it so good uh, the excellent presentation quality excellent organization um, from a manufacturer standpoint vendor booths are run with good organization we have good communication ahead of the events so we know what's going on from a shooter standpoint uh, we're staying at a hotel that's walking distance right it's like a ten minute walk to the arena that's the nice. arena's nice. Uh, convenience is always nice yeah shooting you know the actual shooting arena where we're the shooting floor is good it's a little packed a little tight but it's not bad yeah but um, vegas has been you know, yeah they all are anymore any, any indoor especially um, if you want to try to accommodate people right i mean they've got a situation where they've got more demand than they can yeah fill at this one right yeah there's uh it sold out in like two days or something like yeah, that. And so. Vegas is getting there now. Um, you know, Vegas might hit 4,000 this year. Man. Just amazing. It's crazy. Target archery growing. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, that's at least how it seems. But uh, Kings of Archery, there, I, I did hear some complaints about, you know, the production of the video production of the shoot down, shoot off. But, yeah, but at the end of the day, the actual organization, the way they do it, they're on scene. Yeah, if, I mean, I'm saying if you're excellent. there as a shooter, who, what do you care about the video production? You're watching That's how it first. I, yeah, I didn't care. Didn't care at all. I'm not going to go back and watch it. So whatever. But well, that's something yeah. you know. If you want to nitpick, that was it. But in terms of uh, an event that people should try to shoot, if you were to say, Steve, you can go to Neem, or you can go to Kings of Archery, I'd take Kings of Archery. Ten out of ten. Now, I know you're not thrilled with how you shot, but you actually, you, you tied for second place in terms of X count. So you actually, your accuracy was superb. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, shot Just good. had one get away from you? Yeah, and yeah. it was, was pretty darn close, you know. Well, um, so Stefan Hansen and Mike Schlusser and Dave Cousins is uh, back on the podium. Yeah. Shooting aluminum arrows. Shooting, shooting east and aluminum arrows. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Dave yeah. seems like he's in fine fettle. Paul Tedford was there, and Ruben Blandahl, and Damagotch Budin, and Martin Damsbo, the the Illuminaries, Louis Price, Peter Elzinga, Sergio Pagni, P.J. Deloche, 
big list of people who i mean this yeah, is it's, a, it's as good of an event as you'll find well for sure if you look in the top 30 on here there's at least i would say 20 ranked you know shooters who are in the top yeah top 30 top 20 if world you, if you were to go to vegas you would pick up you know maybe virtually everyone who was at kings of archery is the nba vegas right yeah plus a few of the people who don't Local, travel don't travel internationally yeah so you know i would say Guys who are capable of winning Kings of Archery, there's probably, you know, 20, 25 guys yeah. who are capable of winning Vegas. There's maybe 50, maybe. That's, yeah. you know, some of them are long shots, but capable. Now, some of the names on the board for the compound women are um, somewhat less likely, I guess. But, you know, there were there were still a lot of top level shooters there, to be sure, from the standpoint of the women's ranks, um, you know. So uh, Sophie Dodimont, who used to be a uh, a recurve shooter, she's shooting pretty well in compound now. Yeah, and uh, third really place well. at that event, Janine Meissner was the winner from Germany. She's uh, she's not a newcomer, and the scores weren't bad for the women. Um, we're looking at eight ninety nines. You know, not not terrible. Uh, the the women will. Uh They'll shoot better at Vegas. I think you'll yeah. you'll see. Well, this that's the other thing. This is a fairly early event. It's first event of the year, right? Yeah, right. First big big indoor event of the year. Moving on, um, that GT Open thing that set a couple of records, didn't it? Um, the one in Luxembourg. The, yeah, the women's compound. Yeah. was ripping there. Yeah, and that's we just talked about. We literally just made the excuse that it's early in the year for for <laughs> kings of archery one weekend later and two girls shoot 596 yeah pretty, pretty impressive. impressive whoa <laughs> we didn't even synchronize that whoa it was though yeah so ella gibson and janine meisner yeah so, so you know janine was on a roll i guess you know what stupid really dumb super dumb incredibly dumb they should change this rule and retroactively go back. I have a feeling I know this. what you're going to talk about. Go ahead. Only Ella gets the world record. Yep. They both shot it in the same qualification round, yep. but one did it the day the before. The world archery people were talking about this when I was in Bangkok. They were discussing it, and some people came up to Tom Dillon and had the same exact opinion. And, you know, I mean, they have a rule about how that stuff goes, and basically it's um, whoever did it first, even if it was – even if you had A, B, C, D shooting and somebody shot it and say A, B, and then somebody else got up and shot it in C, D, the A, B person having shot it first would have gotten credit. Uh, yeah. Um, that, you know, in I would, other words, even I on the same I would go and light the DOS stand on fire well, in that scenario. I wouldn't want to be DOSing if that were the case. Yeah. So it's a dumb rule. It's stupid. Well, it is what it is. I get the rule, but let's change it and retroactively change it. Yeah. They, That's, there's nothing stopping them from doing that. Well, you know, and, and, you know, the thing is, these days, it's actually easier for them to make tweaks like that. They don't have to wait for Congress. They can just go Congress. ahead and decree it. Congress. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Here you are <laughs> doing your best to make yourself ingratiated with world archery again. <laughs> I can I can see that that's your... Ah, they'll fix the rule. I'm confident they'll fix it. They'll retroactively change it. And but you know, at the end of the day, ultimately, it doesn't affect me at all. And that's at the only end of the Janine, day. Only Janine got hosed. Yeah, but I, I, you know what? At the end of the day, somebody will shoot a higher score sooner. Or yeah, later. And someone next week might do it. And it's so. not like there's, you know, I mean, I'm sorry to say this, and I wish there were, you know, 
a ten thousand dollar check attached to a new record like that. Yeah, there's not. There's nothing. There's nothing except nothing the glory of having got the, uh, you know, which I is not a bad it. thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get the paper, and you can frame it. And yeah, stuff. you get the diploma. Yeah, right. So, yeah, maybe they'll uh, maybe someone will shoot a five ninety seven before it even comes around to being a problem. It could happen. Oh, you know, it's not. I, I was kind of harsh. I was like, you know, calling it dumb and stupid and horrible and awful, but. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't something they thought of. No. You know, it was just an oversight. They can fix it. It's not uh, irreparable. So we'll move on. And while we're moving on, got us the uh, podcast selfie there. Yeah. Um, let's think about what's coming up indoors wise. You've got a couple of other things coming up pretty soon. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Hold on. While you're taking podcast selfies. Yeah. I'm doing. Hold on. Let me fix my hair. We've got dead air here. Yeah. I'm doing my first ever TikTok right now. Your TikTok. Yeah. So are you live on something while we're, while we're podcasting? Yeah. I'm, uh, I don't know if it's live. I don't know how TikTok works. I see. But I'm doing my first ever post, I guess. Okay. So you're, as we're recording the podcast, you are recording a separate recording. On yeah. TikTok. Yeah. Do you TikTok? I don't. It's new. Six years ago. <laughs> I just signed up for, for Signal the other day. Don't know what that is. See, that's... See? Exactly. Yeah, it's a... I guess TikTok is like six years old and it's just now become a thing. Really? And... Uh, like an alternative to Facebook or... Remember Vine? To, yes. I guess it's like Vine. How many seconds long were the Vine videos? Six or something yeah. like that. I think like, TikTok's got some more. Almost like one of those Apple live photos, right? The kind that you can take on your iPhone. You know, the, the live yeah. type picture. So if you hold your finger down on the thing, it's doing its thing. Yeah. So here we are. Look at that. We're TikToking officially. Yeah. And this is really rotten podcasting, you know, because people can't see what you're doing. Well... Maybe we start doing a, a video podcast. We could definitely do that. This is we we'll probably see. have to dress a little better. You know who my only TikTok follower is? The thing just quit. The thing just stopped. Oh. Must have gotten its six second uh, window. Who's your follower? Dean. Dean Alberga. Miles. Oh, Dean Miles. <laughs> yeah. Our executive coach. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, hey, I just got back from be uh, big though. Yeah. On well, TikTok. Could, well, you know, sometimes this could be the unicorn, man. This could be, you know, what they call the unicorn, the, yeah. the company that becomes the billion dollar idea. We'll see it. You know, I got a, a buddy who's working, they were working for a company. I, I don't know exactly what his job was. I think if, if you were like scroll down to the bottom that of a web page. That, that just described a lot of people we know. Well, if you scroll down to the bottom of a web page and you see those like ad stories that have like uh you know big time clickbait oh god i think yeah, he was writing clickbait oh no yeah oh that's horrible and now that's kind of well. going uh, yeah i think he does okay but i think that's going away and the company is pivoting and now they're trying to like uh do a new facebook they're like, going to try to compete with facebook like don't eat these five foods yeah. or guess check out this weird this Dr. weird Say. hint for doing such and such. Yeah, right? yeah, weird trick to save money in Utah that gives your location. Right. Yeah. Right. It. Uh, he was doing that, and yeah, he told me he's like, "Yeah, the company's pivoting. We're gonna like try to create the new, the next Facebook." I'm like, "Well, good luck." He's like, "Yeah, you know, whatever. I'm just getting paid to do a job." So, well, you know what these guys <laughs> hope to do is they hope to get bought by somebody else and cash yeah. out, you know, yeah. and then go on to the next thing. Yeah, and it, it's not a bad way to for him. It's 
there's he, he's kind of like I'll just whatever you tell me my job is I'm just gonna do it. There's so. a bunch of guys down in Happy Valley driving Lamborghinis who did that, you know. Yeah, what what uh, what company? Well, just different ones, you know, oh, different yeah. MLMs that they put together to oh, sell yeah. crap and uh, different web based businesses that they put together to sell crap and yeah, you know, and and they spend money cash over fist as it were. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, I don't know, it's a TikTok world out there. It's got very little to do with archery, that's for sure. Yeah, we've been going on. What were you? You were about to say something about you were in Asia. Or- well, yeah. I just, so I, I, I was just at the uh, Asian Championship, which is uh, a big event. You know, it's every two years, and uh, so that's their continental. That's their Pan Am. You know, that's their their big championship event for archery and it, like European uh, Championships. Yes, exactly. Pan Am Games. Yeah, well, yeah, like European Championships or. You know, our, our, our continent's a little different. It would be like Coparco would be like the, uh, continent, you know, the continental championship, oh, whatever okay. we call it now. Championship of the Americas is what it used to be called. I think it might still be whatever. Anyway, so this was, uh, a little extra pressure because this was the qualifying places for the Olympic Games for the continental mm. selection, right? And that put a little extra pressure on things. I saw, one of your posts. Yeah, who qual- – well, we'll get into it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. But, I mean, you were at you were at the Worlds this year at, at uh, Netherlands? No. No. But, didn't go. Okay, but you know about them. I know all about them. And you know that the Koreans did not perform to expectation. They didn't do their traditional, you know – They didn't crush Grab souls. a bunch of podiums. They didn't do that well. Yeah. And so traditionally, the Asian championships, the Koreans have kind of sent their junior teams. Now they're like, nope. We're, no, we're, this time they sent freaking Oh Jin Hyuk and Kim Woo Jin and uh, another top guy and the top women, Miss Kang and Choi Misun. I mean, you know, the heavy hitters for Korea. They were yeah. all there. An A team. Absolutely an A team. Almost got beat by the Japanese junior team. In, in one of the passes, but that's neither here nor there. They still performed like you'd expect. So the highlight for me, though, was, and I can say this on the podcast, it was North Korea versus South Korea. There was a yes. North Korea versus South Korea. Did any political leaders show up? Uh, I don't know. I was the DOS and the mm. announcer, and, you know, I was kind of multitasking. But I can tell you one thing. I was real careful not to say North Korea. <laughs> you don't say North Korea. Yeah, it's uh, DPK, right? It's the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. DPRK. Yeah, yeah, and they generally want it said that way every time you say it. You can say DPR Korea once or twice without getting their protocol officer all in a tizzy. But you do it three times and they come storming over. So, <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, one of the, the ironclad rule, there's a, there's an announcer at the London Olympic Games. I was an announcer at the London Olympic Games. We get trained for every Olympic Games. It doesn't matter if you've done six Olympics like I have or, or it's your first one. You get a full training thing, right? Like here's what not to say. The biggest thing you couldn't say was North Korea. Mm. Could not use the phrase North Korea. That was the worst thing you could possibly do. And it was a fu- instant done. You are out of here. Do not pass go. In fact, it happened to a guy at the London Games. The guy said in some venue, I think it might have been swimming or something, North Korea, boom, fired on the spot. Hmm. Yeah. So it's a serious it's a serious thing and it's 
the protocol is at the IOC level and for every, uh, you know, every sport governing body like world archery, world badminton, whatever. You know, nobody says North Korea. Time comes around for the, uh, time comes around for the, you know, the medal presentation and the staff hands me a piece of paper you know, with the people who've won the thing. And I'm, I'm doing this solo. Usually I have a producer to help with that. And no, no, no. I'm looking out at the field. I'm trying to figure out the timing for when they're going to put the medal around the guy's neck so I can say the name. I mean, the whole nine yards. And I'm playing the music. So I'm juggling. Nice. I'm juggling like four jobs. What kind of jams were you playing? Uh, Olympic style jams. Oh. <laughs> so. Jams. So I'm juggling like they hand me this piece of paper. <laughs> Third place, whatever country it was. Second place, the thing says North Korea. Oh no! And you just read it like no, Ron Burgundy. Huh? I didn't. Oh, I didn't. You know, I wouldn't have been that. I wouldn't have been that. That San Francisco news reporter, you know, news anchor <laughs> yeah, yeah. that read the bang names of the yeah Bang Ding <laughs> Ow. That wouldn't have happened to me, and it didn't happen this time either. But boy, I was like. Are you def- are you doing this to me on purpose? Oh. Are you really trying to submarine me here? I mean, really? I've got enough going on. Do I have to oh, think man. about what I'm saying on top of it? <laughs> so anyway, no, it was a great tournament, though. I'll tell you, the people from Thailand do a fantastic job. They're such good hosts and such nice people. And um, they just really took good care of me, and they took good, great care of the athletes. Everybody seemed to enjoy the event, and it went really well, so. What kind of food did you eat? Um, well, breakfast mostly at the hotel. I, I pretty much loaded up on breakfast because Which is like fried rice, huh? Uh, I kind of stuck with chicken and oh, that's what kills you. Well, for me, it, you know, it was kind of like what I normally eat. You know, like chicken. I, I'd have a bunch of eggs. I don't eat chicken overseas. These are whole internationally. Well, okay. Well, policy. I I don't blame you. You know. Having the sensitive stomach that you occasionally do. Apparently, yeah. Well, you, every time I was talking to you when I was gone, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm really sick. Oh, that was different, though. I was like uh, head cold and stuff. Yeah, you pick something up on the plane. Uh, yeah, I, I don't avoid anything. I'm not sure I have a white blood cell. <laughs> <laughs> like, Linda's sick? I'm going to get it. I was just sick. I should be, like, strong, right? Yeah. No, you, you know, that which doesn't kill you should make you stronger. Well, apparently a lot of really tough stuff is trying to kill me if I have indeed gotten stronger. So so here's the deal, right? This is the last, just before the last, last chance to win a slot for the Olympic Games. So it's a big deal for a lot of these countries. And they're out still shooting outdoor. But there's one country, right? One country that has been able to go to every Olympic Games since 1984, but always because they were invited to, not because they were good enough to actually win a slot to go to the games because there's always like four or five invitational spots Mm -hmm. the tripartite commission that they put together uh you know i know so this is a country where archery is actually their national sport Mm -hmm. it's it's a big big deal in bhutan exactly bhutan so guess what the guy qualified woman woman qualified ms karma oh karma just one one name name. that's right And I will say good karma. Yeah, I like, I remember seeing that uh, at the last Olympics. Yeah. Karma. Right. That was it. Right. She's like Ronaldinho or 
She's only got one name. She's like Madonna. Uh, Messi. Well, Leo Messi. Now, who's uh? What's the what's the guy I'm thinking? The Brazilian, the other Brazilian soccer. Oh player. yeah, yeah, yeah. Neymar. Yeah. Neymar. Just yeah. one name. Pele. Well, there's Pele. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, Karma. Someday they'll just call me just Steve, and everyone That's right. will know. Well, they already do. I think. No. There are no other Steves of your <laughs> of your stature in the sport today. You know what? Though there have been in the past, but not today. I saw a cool a cool thing for you know while we're on the topic of one name. The last time Roger Federer won Wimbledon, right? Wimbledon, you have to wear all white. And they have, like, you get done, you go, you win, you do your little thing on the court, you go do a celebration there, and then you they send you to the showers, like, you get cleaned up, and you come back out, and you do, like, a presentation presser, right? Federer comes out with a white shirt on, of course. It had a Nike logo, and it just said, Roger. <laughs> like tiger yeah right it was awesome there's a few there's a few athletes that if you just say their name you know who they are yeah valentino in the case of uh moto gp yeah right or um you know there's tiger tiger right? Ra- like rafael nadal rafa right you say rafa right back in the day you know basketball michael yeah right but I'm not sure the same applies to tennis. Why not? However, for archery, there is only one karma. Karma. Yeah. And she shot fabulously. Actually, she shot really well. So, and part of it is also her, uh, her coach is Sally Park, who, uh, you know, was a top Korean shooter and then coach. And, uh, yeah, I've heard the so, name. So she's coaching now for Bhutan. And that obviously, Kind of turned things around. Bhutan did well. I want so. to coach their compounders. Can you tell them? Sure. Tell them. Sure. I'll be happy to tell them. Tell them I want to come. It's a long trip. I'll just stay. There's only like one flight every week I'll to Kathmandu. Stay. I'll just stay there. All right. And stuff. You know, uh, Brady and I were invited to go to Bhutan a few years ago by the guy who produces 60 Minutes, the TV show. He wanted to do a documentary. But there was just the, the logistics of getting there were horrible, just so difficult. Yeah. And uh, what did they want you guys for? Well, because, you know, we're, we're kind of archery guys and they wanted to do a documentary about, you know, how do I say this? Um, good archery versus how they perform archery <laughs> for fun it's in like Bhutan. Just hucking arrows that like a hucking arrows like at each other at 160 yards. yards. Yeah, something yeah. At each other. That's awesome. You know Do they, they use like a blunt tip or they just uh-huh. not sharpen the double X seventy five aluminums. Nice. With like blunts and screw in blunt type setups. Yeah. Is it dishonorable if you like turn away from the arrows that is about to impact you? I have a feeling you're supposed to kind of like mess with the people who are shooting at you. You're supposed to like dance in front of the target and try to get into their head and stuff. But then you can't move once it's fired, right? Like your right. feet have to. Well, that, can you wear like any protective garb? You know, I think the... Uh, you should have gone over so you could answer these questions. I Yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> anyway, looking at what's happened right now... Would you rather wear... A cup, a cup, or a face mask. I'd take the headshot. I'm, I'd, I'd yeah. rather. I'd wear the cup. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So quotas for the Olympic Games. Um, there's been 43 slots allocated for the men and 44 for the women, which means that leaves 20 women's slots still available. 
So three. Uh, what are they going to do? Six teams. Well, they're yeah. Plus, they've got a. They're going to give some away with oh, the tripartite commission and you know Oceania some, and all that. Some of that, yeah. Yeah. So some of that's still going on. Australia's got three. China's got three. I'm talking men here. Mm-hmm. GBR has three. India has three. Japan's got three. Kazakhstan, Korea, Netherlands, Chinese Taipei. All the rest of these countries have one position for the games right now and are counting on getting another one in Berlin, I presume. Another two. Two. Bangladesh, Brazil, Canada, Chad, Egypt. You'd think Chad would have it covered, but no. Why? Because it's Chad. Chad. Egypt, Spain, Indonesia, Iran, Italy, Malaysia, Mongolia, New Zealand, DPR, Korea, Tunisia, Vietnam, the United States of America. I'm only going to pull for the U.S. and countries who are an entire territory on the board game risk. Such as? That would be maybe Mongolia. Mongolia. Mongolia got their one slot at the uh, CQT that we were just talking about. But there's no Yakutsk on that list. There isn't, but there was uh, Kyrgyzstan. I don't and, think they're on the board. And and I may have pronounced Kyrgyzstan as Kyrgyzstan at one, just like once I said Kyrgyzstan instead of Kyrgyzstan. And the Kyrgyzstan team manager came storming up to me to correct me. Man, these people not have anything better to do. Well, how often do they get to hear their country name on a PA? I don't know. I'm, I, I, I legitimately do not know. Well, not that often. When's the last time you were cheering for an athlete from Kyrgyzstan on, in any sport? Do you even know where Kyrgyzstan is? It's one of the many stands in the middle of the world. It is. I had to look it up, <laughs> so don't feel bad. It's probably close. In fact, I, there was a foreign exchange student at my school from there, I believe. Really? Yeah, his name was, uh, uh, what was his name? His name was like Atu or something. Yeah. And uh-huh. he would say funny stuff. So in health class one time, he was doing a PowerPoint presentation, and he said something, and he looks to the teacher and the teacher was like he would you would look at him and he would click and go to the next slide and he goes so he says his speech his piece from this slide and then he goes please click the next button and the teacher asks him a question about something that was on that slide it's like wait uh a two what about this and blah 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 and he just stared at him and he says please click the next button oh man (laughs) it was awesome and he did. The teacher just did as he was told. He just clicked the button. Well, you don't mess on. with people from Kyrgyzstan, I guess. Anyway, for the recurve women, um, the following countries have got three slots each. And the, I'll just say up front, we don't. <laughs> Belarus, China, Great Britain, Germany, Japan, uh, Korea, Russia, Chinese Taipei, Ukraine, and then after that, everybody's got one. Bhutan, Ivory Coast, Colombia, Denmark, Egypt, Indonesia. India only has one. And an interesting story about India, I'll tell you about that. Uh, remind me if I don't, if I forget. Italy, Moldova, Mexico, Netherlands, New Zealand, DPR, Korea, Sveria, Sweden, uh, Tunisia, Vietnam, and the USA. After Casey Koffel did well at the mixed team in the Pan Am games with, uh, with Brady. You know what? I don't think... Uh, oh, there's yep, there's Mongolia. I'm looking at the... We're back to the important stuff. I'm looking at the risk board now. 
And what was it that I asked you to remind me to talk about? Don't know. I was trying to find. A Couldn't map have of been the that Discord. important. Anyway, so that's the deal. Iceland's on there. I'm pulling for Iceland big time. Yeah, you know, I didn't see any Icelandic shooters uh, in any of the trials events so far. Maybe they'll show up in Berlin. Actually, I wonder if there are any Icelandic. The only Icelandic. Nope, I'm wrong. There's definitely Icelandic recurve shooters. But do they shoot for Iceland or do they shoot for? No, they don't shoot for Denmark. They sh- they've been trying to put together like an Icelandic federation. I actually uh, was in touch with one of them. It was the lady who was kind of handling that stuff. And her name was super Icelandic. And I can't remember what it is. Yeah, something like uh, Kyrgyz daughter or something like that, right? No. If it's a female, the, there's a suffix of daughter, D-O-T-T-I-R, on oh, a lot yeah. of the Icelandic names. I didn't see that on there. I don't know. I'm sure we've got a lot of listeners by now. Uh-huh. Sure. Speaking of uh, things to listen for, though, um, I had a chat with Tom Dillon about a number of things, including the prospects for compound in the Olympic Games. What do you say we turn things over to that real quick? Siguron was her name, like S-I-G-U-R-J-O-N. Tom Dillon, thanks for very much for uh, joining us here in Bangkok at the uh, Asian Championship. This is the uh, 21st Asian Championship. 21st it is indeed. This has always been growing. Domination by Korea again. I guess that's no surprise. Yeah, well, one of the interesting things of the event was that uh, two of the major teams from Asia sent their uh, B or U team. Uh, so, and the Koreans, uh, after what they thought was a bad World Championship for them, actually redid the selection. So they sent their Super A team. So I think it's a little bit unfair to say that Korea overblew the rest of the competition, knowing that two of the major countries didn't have their best team here. That's a very good point. For example, Chinese Taipei and Japan. Are those the countries you had in mind? Those are the two countries I was thinking of. Yeah. So Japan sent their under-20s. They sent their their youth team, basically. Yeah. Which actually, on the girls' side, held their own. I mean, they did reasonably well. Well, the the youth team of Japan is promising, and we already saw it at the test event uh, earlier this year. So... I think uh, there could be some of you team in the actual Olympic team when we go through the selection system. Yeah, that's absolutely possible, uh, especially as they're in the, as we speak in the midst of their selection process right now. And Chinese Taipei similarly uh, sending their youth, and they they acquitted themselves quite well. They got some nice medals, yes, and uh, they uh, they show that they have future potential, which is not a surprise uh, knowing how their system is based. One of the factors that's interesting is that Asia is kind of the bellwether for what's happening in our sport in a number of ways. For example, uh, Asian Games added compound, and we saw a number of countries, Korea prominent among them, but certainly Chinese Taipei and a few others, uh, really start to focus on compound. What is it going to take for compound to get into the Olympic Games? Uh, We discussed this before uh, the podcast, and for me, the critical thing is development of a stronger women competition in compounds. Uh, I think Asia is, as you say, uh, very much taking the lead there because the, the level of the women is quite good. And uh, we hope that uh, through some further developments, uh, we can increase that. And then in the future, uh, we should be okay uh, to see, to see uh, how this progresses. You know, in general terms, um, I think that a lot of people are uneasy with the idea of compound coming into the games because they think it's going to be a, uh, a loss for something else. But I think the goal is different, isn't it? 
it's absolutely a question of adding metals, not to replace metals. Uh, and we see it clearly in the spirit of what has happened with, for instance, volleyball, where you have indoor volleyball and beach volleyball, two complementary products to the Olympic Games. And we also want to have a complementary product for the Olympic Games. And will that be in the current format? Will that be in another format? Only time will tell. So um, you and I didn't really review everything we were going to talk about. So I'm going to spring a question on you that might be unfair. And if it's not something you want to answer, I can either edit it out or we can just ignore it. Or, But um, what do you think we'll see in terms of further change to the compound round? Are there thoughts right now? I've, I've heard rumors about maybe going to a longer distance with a smaller target. There is, I would say, three options. One is uh, the current format, but perhaps at 60 meters. Uh, there is going to be a review in general of target phases and uh, precision we achieve in our different rounds. This is an analysis we're doing with the coaches committee uh, and with uh, special statisticians to make sure that we do the right uh, approach. But it's not only uh, compound that is under discussion, there is also discussion on the size of the target phase recurve. So we'll see what comes out of that. And that's something that will happen in 2021 at the Congress. Uh, so there's plenty of time to prepare for that. 60 meter is definitely an option for compounds. Uh, I remember the compound saying they were going to all clear 50 meters very quickly and we are not there yet. No. Uh, but it is an option to go to 60 meter, more linked to the fact that it makes it easier to organize, knowing that you can then use the full stance uh, than currently. Currently you have to, I would say, uh, eliminate some of the seating uh, used for 70 meters. So that's definitely a possibility, but there is other options as well. There is an option of looking at doing it indoor. There is option of uh, using uh, something similar to the field round we're using. So there is options on the table. It's not going to be our call. I want to be very clear. It's going to be the call of the International Olympic Committee together with the organizing committee. What fits best in the strategy of the Olympic Games, because if it doesn't fit in that strategy, there is no chance of adding. It has to fit in the strategy. And that means reusing a venue, whatever venue, the best way possible uh, during the Games. And I hate to put it this way, but it really means not increasing cost outside of the norm. Absolutely. This is the new norm, as uh, is the project called. It's very much driving force and it is do what you can with the budget there is. And if you can decrease the budget, great. Don't come with costs, additional costs because that won't work. Well, that's how it is for everybody I know, including myself and maybe you. And I suppose it's no different for the Olympic Games now. Absolutely. All right, Tom. Uh, one question about the 60 meter round, if it potentially became to pass, would be the effect it might have on club shooters. I'm sure that's one of the things that would be discussed. That's exactly the reason why I can't give more information now is that it will be a full analysis for the highest level, for the club level, uh, for any level. You got to look at the big picture. We need to look at the big picture and see the impact of it on our sport. This is something that will be first discussed. We have a meeting of all our committees, which includes athletes, coaches, Target committee, judges committee, everyone involved, and that will take place after the Olympic Games uh, around the month of November next year. That will be a first discussion. Then we will go out with the ideas to the people that want to give input. We might do also uh, some uh, questionnaires and so on uh, to a larger audience. And then we will come to our Congress and then we'll make the final decision. As we near the end of this year, looking back, shifting gears on you here a little bit. Just looking back, is there something as a highlight perhaps 
that you would point to and say, I'm proud of what World Archery did at this event, the way that the thing went and, and, and what was done? Would you uh, pick one, anything in particular? I would pick definitely the World Championships in the Netherlands. And uh, one of the things, uh, we just received a report that worked really well is that we had great ticket sales and ticket sales to 49% of the people that bought tickets were not from archery. So we can, we can nearly have a majority of people buying tickets that have not seen archery before. And this is a great achievement because it shows that we can open our sport to non-archery uh, related people. I have the impression that we had a turnout like that more than, well, 10 years ago now in Copenhagen. Similarly, we had you know a couple thousand people around that uh, venue, many of whom were not archery people. Yeah, and this is something that we uh, have to work on even more because when you have, I would say, a large audience that is not from archery, you have to present the sport differently right. than when you're presenting to archery people. And that might sometimes seem like we are boring uh, our archers with explaining the rules from A to Z all the time. But there's a reason for it. It's to explain it to a large public and a public that doesn't have the same knowledge, which is typically something that happens at Olympic Games, but not necessarily at our own events, but the trend is changing. There's no doubt that as World Archery's growth in terms of social media, outreach, videos, all kinds of stuff being presented here, for example, that the average person that's not an archer is going to have more opportunity to touch the sport than they have had in the past. Absolutely. And this is also something we're seeing in another report I, I've received is the actual number of people watching our sport on television. And uh, to give you some idea, in a two year period, we had a 58% of increase in the viewers on Eurosport, which is one of our big uh, takers. And we've seen it, uh, I would say globally, we had great TV numbers in China, Chinese Taipei, Russia, uh, Korea, uh, US, uh, and Europe in general. So we are making a lot of progress. Tom Dillon, Secretary General of World Archery, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast again. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you as, a, as we get closer to Vegas, for example. Pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you there. Always good to be at a tournament with uh, Tom Dillon, and uh, uh, the president of World Archery was there too, or Erdner. IOC member and uh, he was giving some of the medals along with an IOC member from Thailand. So he was actually there for a medical conference. Um, for, he's the head of the IOC Medical Commission. So that, uh, that's that been a busy group. You heard what happened in Tokyo with the uh, marathon plans? Nope. Well, for the Tokyo Games, they decided to move the marathon to Sapporo where it's a lot cooler. Mm. Well, relatively. Because uh, it's going to be it's going to be really, really hot and humid, yeah. and they're worried about the condition. I think I did hear something about yeah. that. Hey, uh, one thing I didn't talk about much was the medalists for the uh, the uh, Asian Championship, and and a lot of the usual suspects. The Korean men did really well. Um, kind of the newcomer, Lee Woo Seok. Yeah, he's um, crushing. He is crushing, and he he won the gold. Kim Woo Jin was silver, and uh, at New Das. Won the bronze. And, and earlier I was talking about, remind me to talk about what happened with India. India was not allowed to compete as India at this event. They've been kind of decertified, but they don't want to hold that against the athletes per se. You know, their federation's kind of screwy. Mm -hmm. So they had to compete as World Archery Olympic Athlete Group. 
That's awesome. Yeah. They do that at the Olympics too sometimes. Yeah. Well, like, that's what happened here. Didn't they do that to Russia? Some they did some it point? to somebody because they were decertified. Yeah, they're, they're in some sport, right? They're, they were decertified, and so was, they had to. It was Russia at the last Winter Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the really recurve, uh, for the recurve women, Kang the Destroyer was number one. Took out Sai Hui of the People's Republic of China, and uh, actually, no, that was uh, Sheng Yiche of the People's Republic of China was second, and then mm. Sao Hui was third. So China did well at this event, and then uh, China compounds. always does well, especially right up right at the Olympics. Compounds right before and at it, they do well. Korea got uh, let's see here something like uh, one, two, three, four out of uh, six of the medals for compound including both gold medals. Uh, so Che Wan was second. Seol Dae-yong was first. And then for the men, Choi Young-hee was first. And a fellow from Vietnam was second. And then uh, teams, Korea, DPR Korea, and the Olympic Athlete Group, formerly known as India. Nice. For the recurve women, Korea, China, and the Olympic Athlete Group, formerly known. Did they wear their India jerseys? They did. They did indeed. Mixed team was Korea, Chinese Taipei, and the Olympic Athlete Group. Now, don't be shocked if this turns out to be very similar to what happens in Tokyo next year. I'm just saying. They won't uh, They won't be certified. Well. Are you talking the results? I'm talking results. I think we're going to see Korea. I was hoping we were still talking about India. Yeah, but I think we're going to see Korea doing well. Yeah. Um, yeah, they should... Uh, I mean, do we not expect him to do well? No, no. I think that if you think about it, though, it's pretty remarkable that they're doing as well as they are with the support system they've got or don't have, right? If you think about it from that perspective, you know, they're just getting by on raw talent, not so much a big support system. Yeah. So. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this compound stuff that Tom Dillon brought up. Um, you know, look, compound has always been a game changer, Right. Ever since it was introduced in 1967 by Hollis Allen, it you know it it shook things up. But it took more than 20 years for compound to be accepted in world archery. You know you didn't see a world archery compound competitor till '91. Um, you know it it started out at the World Indoor in Finland in '91. Joe Acey. Joe Acey, our local boy, he won the thing, and. Um, you know, then in uh, 95, you had the first world outdoor, Gary. Gary Broadhead. Broadhead. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and um, that was in Jakarta, Indonesia. I think if everyone in the world got in a fight, Gary would win. I would want Gary on my side. I can tell you that much. Not because he's a mean fighter, just sheer power. He could make money. If you handed Gary a lump of coal and said, just squeeze this, you'd turn it into a diamond. Well, look, you're six seven, six eight. You are a basketball six, player. Six, seven, yeah. You have large hands. I have disproportionately yeah, large hands, hands as well. Huge. My hands are about the size of your hands or similar. Yours are bigger. Okay. Gary makes me feel like I'm shaking hands with a machine tool well, when I shake hands yeah. with him. It's have you ever ridiculous. arm wrestled him? No, because I'm not foolish. Me neither. Here's what I have I seen. I watched him. a guy do it, though. I watched him pick up a ladder one handed, horizontally, <laughs> like this. 
you can't see what I'm doing, it, but like pointing, yeah, at like, like pointing it's at baton. something, yeah, like like an eight foot <clears throat> step ladder, like an aluminum step ladder, yeah. just gripping it and picking it up. I had a weightlifting coach who would do that with a forty five pound bar, freak, yeah. But uh, Gary, I, I guess he used to like enter these a bow pulling competitions like, like the locally. 200 pound bow yeah stuff they would do in oregon yeah pull this bow to full draw and you own the bow he has a collection yeah he would just he he could apparently could draw back like a 240 pound bow no i believe it the freak yeah well he's just a you know all those sasquatch stories from the pacific northwest i'm just saying all right Gary. anyway so starting with that world championship, you know, back then, all they did with the compound was duplicate the feet around, the four distance feet around. So if you were, you know, shooting back then, Steve, you would have shot 90, 70, 50, and 30. And a woman, uh, say Linda, would have shot 60, uh, 70, 50, 60, 70, 60, 30. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, later on, when recurve went to 70 only, so did compound. Yeah. So for a period of time there, you know, they, the rounds were identical, but... About 2008, 2009, um, World Archery first started to really look into, you know, look hard into creating an Olympic compound competition. So they um, decided to put together a commission uh, to put together a different round because the IOC would only consider bringing compound into the games if the round were really different than recurve. They didn't mm -hmm. want to. They didn't want it to be the same round. Now, obviously. You know, you're you're shooting a compound. It's not the same. But to somebody standing 50 yards away that doesn't know anything about archery, it pretty much seems like the same thing. It's the same. You're shooting archery. Where did the arrow land? The target looks the same unless you are told yeah. it's a different size. Yeah. You and I care about the fact that one's with fingers and one's with a release and one's got a scope and one doesn't have a scope and one's got... But this is minutia to somebody who doesn't know the sport, which is actually the majority yeah. of spectators at the Olympic Games. They don't vast, know the sport. Vast majority. That's why, you know, that's why part of the job of an announcer at the Olympic Games is to constantly explain, explain. stuff that archers know inside and out and would be boring to archers, but that's not the audience, mm -hmm. right? So you had uh, you had people on that commission who were top competitors, Rio among them. Um, you had officials, the, you know, the head of the judges committees, so the coaches committee people. You had some coaches on there. You had other experts. And the idea was that they'd come up with a round that would be different enough from recurve to satisfy the IOC, but still provide a good showcase for the the strengths of compound, which is accuracy and the mental discipline that it requires. Because I don't think anybody that really knows anything recognizes anything other than the fact that it is at least as hard technically to shoot a compound accurately. And it's probably harder mentally than shooting a recurve. Yeah. So, you know, top compound, I'm talking top, top level here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, conversely, it's easier to have fun with a compound recreationally if you want to shoot to a certain level, right? It doesn't require the same amount of effort. Right. Yeah. You can you can go and be uh, not embarrassing faster. You can keep them all on the paper easy. Yeah. Whereas with a recurve, you kind of got to work at it. But when it comes to, you know, the kind of performance that you need to, to have to win something, it's probably harder than shooting recurve these days. Maybe. I, I'll call them... Mentally, par. mentally, yeah, equal. Yeah, they each have their yeah, challenges. Yeah, I don't want to get like that debate started. No, and I don't mean to either. But you know, I'm a recurve guy, and I admit, you know, mental game of the compounds definitely very, very challenging. Yes. 
So anyway, driven by mostly uh, the top-level competitors on the committee, the commission came up with what they thought would be a good solution, which was a hit-or-miss format. Yeah. Mm. Uh, this was on a reduced-size target, but it had a relatively big gold section. It was 10 centimeters in the middle instead of, say, 8, which is what the gold is on a regular compound target right now. So it was a 10-centimeter center. Right, 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 right. Which means... Our our, our uh, ten ring is eight centimeters uh-huh. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. the gold, not the whole gold. Sorry, the ten ring. Yeah. The point I'm making is it it rewarded it did not reward accuracy. Yeah, this is like it. Yeah. it, all it you was just was an even thing. bigger game of don't screw up. Precisely, but here's what was really weird: people that you would never expect to screw up were screwing up. So like, don't miss. They were screwing up badly. We're talking about some very top level shooters, people who are even top level shooters today, who were hucking them off the paper. You know why? Yeah. You're aiming at a small yellow. People aim, they aim in the center of the big yellow. One of the whys is exactly that. Another one of the whys was because they were still shooting the same optical configuration right. that they were used to for the target. So, you know, if they were shooting a dot, for example, that dot now was huge compared to the... Yeah, it covered most of the yellow. So, some people just were freaking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you got you to gotta go to like a field shooting setup, like a small small dot, fiber, something like that. Yeah, this is me pointing at you going correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know... I saw it. Maybe we could put that on TikTok and everyone else I- could see it. The ideas they had, though, were fundamentally not bad, which was that, you know, shorter distance... Easier for the crowd to see, easier for the venue, but but it was all wrong. It was actually all wrong. And one aspect of it is still wrong, and that's arguably 50 meters. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that's wrong with 50 meters has nothing to do with the fact that you guys at, at the level you're at find it boring occasionally to just shoot 50 over and over again. We would find it boring no matter if it was 45 or 70. We would get bored. But... What it does do is it takes away about half the seats in a venue for a big event. When you move from 70 to 50, you give up a lot of seating space, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, a lot yeah, of spectator yeah. room. So World Archery was quick to respond to, you know, the obvious shortfalls of this stuff. Uh, you know, the they, they went to the round that you're using now, the six ring 80 centimeter target. Mm-hmm. And you know, rewarded accuracy. The same people you were seeing literally hucks, huck arrows off the paper were back to shooting, you know, 150s with 11Xs, whatever. Um, but that round, you know, I mean, what are the complaints about the round that you shoot now? It's too close, not challenging enough, too easy to shoot a perfect score were some of the criticisms that people were talking about early on. But after, what, a decade now shooting that round, nobody has shot a perfect score. Which yeah. would be one fifty fifteen x. The high score is a one fifty twelve x, real one. Right, right. Shot it with uh, x tens. Yeah, yeah. Is it twelve x still? Yeah, it yeah. is twelve x. Rio shot it with x tens, but you still hear you know shooters grumbling about it. So now that we've got the possibility of an Olympic compound effort on the horizon, <coughs> and and you know new momentum now. Um, so what are they thinking? They're thinking of moving stuff out to sixty. Sixty. They're thinking of a different size target. A 92. Remember when I said do a 60, 92? Uh-huh. Yeah. That is a possibility. Or, yeah. or 100 or something different. Yeah, 92 is weird. Now, why why are but they doing 144 this? is weird. Yeah, right. Well, remember, though, what is 144? 
I have no idea. 144 is 48 inches. That was what it was. America did it. Uh huh. Well, you know, actually the, the British, because it was based originally on the York round. So previous America did it. Well, yeah. So overthrown America. Whatever. Oh, we're going to get some crap for that. You said it. Yeah. So why did the, why why all this attention now? Well, it's the 2028 LA Olympics that's that's created the opportunity. The first chance for compound round in the modern Olympics. You're losing it over there, buddy. <laughs> the, I was still laughing that you said overthrown America. Uh, there was an incident at Kings of Archery. That I cannot say, but some of the Americans and some of the Brits went out after it was done. Things got predictably uh, drinky. Yeah. And uh, there was some comments made about the queen. <laughs> was this before or after the debacle with uh, Prince, uh, what's his name, Andrew? Uh, well, it was, I don't know, probably after. He who doesn't sweat. <clears throat> yeah. So anyhow, so 2028 Olympics. And Epstein didn't kill himself. There could be a compound component. Yeah. So, um, you know, the fact that uh, the various continental level games have all adopted compound has had a big impact. Yeah. The Pan Am games, European games, and the latest one was the Asian games. So, especially in Asia, there's been a lot of growth relative to what was there before because there was basically no compound in Asia. Right. And now there's quite a bit because... Their compound numbers are compounding. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Pun intended. They, yeah, it was not bad. Well done. Uh, definitely a, a 10 for Mr. Anderson. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, the only way to get corporate support or government support in those countries where they actually have support for archery as opposed to us um, is to have it in a continental, you know, or an Olympic event. So... Now, you are seeing exactly that. You're seeing Korea. You're seeing Chinese Taipei. You're seeing the team formerly known as India fielding top-class competitors. <laughs> the team formerly known. Okay, so I'm going to ask the question everybody's wanting to know. What are the chances that we do see compound in 2028? So here's what needs to be done what, for the chances the to be good. What percentage? Oh, I'd say probably 65, 70%. Better than not. Right. But here's what's got to be done first. Number one, maybe the most important thing as far as the IOC is concerned, and I would, I would argue a good thing for everybody involved in archery is to get more women participating in compound. That's the area that needs the most improvement because more shooters... It's good for everybody. Yes. It's good for people making arrows. It's good for people making bows. It's good for organizations. Yeah, it's good for tournaments. It's good for the sport. Everything. It's good for women's sport. You know, the whole thing. So the growth of the compound has included women, to be sure. But the IOC wants gender equity in every one of its sports. What an opportunity as a woman to possibly... You know, because here's the thing I've, I have noticed. Because of... Because of the way life is now, women seem to have shorter careers in this sport than men. Well, yeah, because, you know, of a number of factors, right? Mm -hmm. Everything from having kids to just, you know, burning out on things because of priorities and life changing or because they don't get the support. There's not as much support. There's not as much money in it for them. Yeah, maybe they want to start a family, and that's obviously harder on the women than it is the men. Um, 
I think the support yeah. thing's a big one. I <clears throat> what do. A, what an opportunity for for some new archers or even some archers who currently maybe shoot recurve. Well, here's what points to the support thing, Steve. You know, right now, if you if you look at it, recurve archery has pretty good gender equity. Why is yeah. that? Because yeah. there's support it's Olympic. for it. It's Olympic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so World Archery is sharing this priority of making compound more inclusive for women's participation. Now, presumably, that's going to mean better prize money for women. They've already got equity and prize money on in, at WA, uh, you know, at WA events. That is uh, the, the yeah. The women effectively get paid more. They do because there are fewer participants paying right. into the thing, so they get a disproportionate cut. But if you get more women shooting the cut's going to get higher and the proportions will improve and it'll be a better scenario all around for everybody. Everybody. It makes a, you know, if if there were just as many women as there were men in in compound events, it would make tournaments more viable to the organizers. Right. Like, like the one here. Right. Yeah, exactly. When numbers suffer, you have to, you know, That'd people be don't problem. understand the economics of it necessarily. But. No. but, you know, USA Archery, for example, right? Look at nationals, USA Archery nationals. I have a very good friend who lives in Japan. He's, the, uh, he's a high executive with World Archery and with the Asian Federation. And he used to go to U.S. nationals every year back in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Back then, everything was at uh, a university a little north of Hamilton, Ohio, you know, in rural Ohio, mm-hmm. Miami University. And so you would stay in the dorms on campus. You paid like $16 a day. You would try to get Habighurst Hall because that was the closest thing to the competition field. You could just walk. It had a family atmosphere. It was like getting together with old friends once a year. Participation level was, what, three or 400 at the time? What is it now? 900 they've now split it to where it's adults and juniors separate so but it's a big if you add those two together you're looking like 1600 right right yeah the higher numbers require a less personal experience they require people to stay in multiple hotels Mm -hmm. it costs more but the organization has a lot more participation now yeah so they you know they've changed the nature of the thing Mm-hmm. Higher numbers make big events more viable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same reason that World Archery has decided to go ahead and not have Congress right. connected to a world championship. Mm-hmm. They need the numbers elsewhere. Ironically enough, just in time for the Yankton World Championship, but they need the numbers elsewhere 2020 world field and then 2021 world outdoor oh yeah that so two of them but uh, hey you know kudos for those guys for stepping up well they'll probably put in their olympic bid soon you never know could happen 2032 hey maybe you know what financially might make more sense than putting it in some foreign you know the high schools there are nice they've got pools (laughs) okay um so, you know, the only the only question is, you know, what kind of a round are they going to come up with, right? Because they're also talking about looking at the recurve round as well. They might need to adjust that or want to adjust that. So what they've done is they've Straight got score. They've got people like Jim Park. 
I don't know if Jim Park specifically is involved, but people like Jim Park who understand the statistics really, really well and have done a lot of work to, to understand the statistics of the score versus the distance versus the target, blah, 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 no, no, no. And so they're looking at this thing from a number of points of view. Obviously, the biggest thing is they want to come up with a, as Tom said in our interview, a product that works for the IOC's goals. Doesn't, they're doing some analysis. Doesn't cost more, can, can't cost more needs to reuse an existing venue and needs to have audience appeal. And so that's the plan right now, you know, coming up with a, a new round, but not killing club level enjoyment, mid-level shooter enjoyment with whatever difficulty level the new round brings in. That's another thing they got to balance. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just making sure that the proper research is there and there's going to be a lot of discussion, but you know, for sure, there's there's one thing for sure, and it's going to be that we're going to get change. Some kind of change is coming. This is exciting. Well, it could be. How old will I be in 2028? Uh, not that old. Yeah, I'll you won't be even like, be 40, will you? Um, I'll be 40. Well, mentally and physically, I'm, I'm Tom Brady. How old is Brady? Well, have you seen him this year? He's okay. How old is Valentino Rossi? I don't know. 46. 41. He's 46. He's 41. So on his number plate. No, his, he'll probably ride until he's 46. I'm going to make myself available as a coach starting today. Is that an announcement? I'll sell out for the right price. Yeah. I'll I, quit shooting. I think we just, we just had both a devastating and amazing <laughs> pronouncement i've already tried to get china to hire me over the podcast like this is nothing new do you know why you haven't been hired over the podcast from china they don't listen we have two listeners in china those are probably bots you know what i I bet you it's actually more than two it's probably 60 or 70 listeners in china but yeah but not that many when you consider not hiring probably not you probably don't have the correct political connections to be hired as a coach in china Someday, somewhere. That could be a good thing. Someday, somewhere, they'll need me. In the meantime, any other thoughts? I think we drug out this show maybe longer than we should have, but we haven't done one in a while. No, it's true. We haven't done one in a while. I I will say we did get our first negative review the other day. Did you see it? You haven't seen it, have you? Tell me about it. Well... Uh, you know, we have a, we still have a 5.0 on iTunes, but we got one pretty negative review. The guy basically said 60% of our shows are okay, and that implies that 40% of our shows suck. Well, you know what? He's probably right. Maybe 60% of his review stinks. 